Welcome to the Growing With Parent podcast. I'm Kara Powell. And I'm Steve Argue. We recently authored a book called Growing With, which looks at the new territory we enter as parents when our kids reach their late teens and young adulthood. We love every chance we have to talk with other parents who are facing similar challenges and who are asking the same kinds of questions as we are. Today we get to join Steve, who recently had a chance to sit down with our good friend Virginia Ward. Virginia shares how she continues to connect with her young adult sons while also learning to trust her faith community to support her boys and her own parenting. You're going to love her Growing With Insights. We hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm so excited to have one of my heroes with me today, the Reverend Dr. Virginia Ward, who is the Campus Assistant Dean of the Boston campus. And she's also Assistant Professor of Youth Ministry and Leadership, a voice that is so important in the youth ministry conversation. And Virginia, you've just been a friend of FYI, and you've been such an encouragement to me, even just this last, last month when we were at uh, a conference together. You, some of your words just were really, really encouraging to me. And most of all, you are a mother, mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that we want to talk about with you today. So welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be at Fuller again. Thank uh, you. I'm super excited about things we're going to talk about today. Maybe for starters, just tell us a little bit about your uh, your own family and what season you're at as a parent. My husband and I have been married for 34 years now. Congratulations. And we thank you. Our oldest is married and our youngest actually just moved out to LA earlier this year. I have probably seen two or three generations of young people now that have graduated from youth ministry at our church and now their kids are starting to come. It's amazing to watch them now impart some of the principles and the values that we taught them. They're imparting them into their children. They'll call me or they'll Facebook message me and say, I remember what you taught me and now I'm teaching my child. It's just great that we are now grandparents in the ministry as it were. Oh, that's just so great to hear. And as your kids have grown older, how do you think your own parenting has had to shift and change? Mm, that's a great question. My husband and I, we got married at 22. Mm. We waited five years to have kids because we knew we really weren't ready at that time. Mm, yeah, right, right. So we waited five years and things were really different then. The cell phone was a big box. Internet didn't exist. So as times around us changed, we had to learn how to grow with our children, grow and learn from the culture, but not allow, allow the culture to inform us, but not totally drive who we were as parents, especially since we're Christian parents yeah. and we have values based on the Word of God that we wanted our children to own. Mm. Then we also, as pastors, were also modeling this for other families in our congregation. So in a sense, we lived a lot of our parenting journey in a fishbowl. We lived it on a stage in front of others. Mm -hmm. So the good times, the not so good times, when mm -hmm. we made decisions, where we had to go back and apologize to our children. Yeah. It's been a very humbling journey along the way. Absolutely. I think that fishbowl thing, especially for ministry leaders, is mm -hmm. really a big thing. But I think mm -hmm. as parents, we all feel that a little bit, right? There's sort of this comparison thing, yes. and yes. we all are sort of comparing our parenting to others and our kids to others. I mean, if we're really honest, right? Yes, yes, and our parents. So we oh. have that list of, I I will do or I won't do and then we figure out we figure out along the way some of the things we said we weren't going to do that our parents did mm -hmm. were actually necessary so we have to go back and then revisit those <laughs> and and then keep shifting it's a constant shifting constant adjustment you can't just say I'm going to parent this way uh, you have to be open to learning from others and we learn best practices even from others along the journey so we had a village of parents that we allowed to speak into our children while we were speaking into the children 
children of others around us as well. So talk about forgiving yourself. Mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes as as parents if that's a hard thing mm -hmm. to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. we, we blow it, you yes. know, we want to be perfect parents. We don't want to be like maybe some mm -hmm. of the bad examples of what we grew up with maybe with our parents mm -hmm. or whatever, but we still blow it. And sometimes that's mm -hmm. really, really difficult. So talk to me about mm -hmm. that. So my kids, I was their primary youth leader. I grew from children's church to, to junior high ministry to high school ministry, so they've only known me. Yeah. They've traveled with me, they've gone to youth camps and everything else. So they had mom at home and then mom at youth group. And I remember at one time I expected um, my sons to just act a certain way and I was so mad that they were acting a certain way. And I heard a message by Joyce Myers and she talked about how she had to go and repent to her kids because she had set a standard. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about them, it was about her that she wanted her kids to be a good reflection on her because it would show she was a good ministry leader and a good mom if her kids were these perfect kids. And so I sat there and I said, wow, I've made this about me. And it's not about me. It's about their spiritual development. It's about their relationship with God. I'm just there to help facilitate that mm -hmm. as a mom at home, but then also in youth ministry from as a youth leader perspective. And that's when it gave me permission to forgive myself and then to open up for other voices to come in to speak to them in their spiritual development. I just think there's so many great nuggets there. I think sometimes we get caught, I know this is a parent myself, I get caught in wanting to help my kids mm -hmm. or advocate for my kids or take care of my kids, mm -hmm. that I can actually lose myself in that process when yes. we realize that parenting is so much about our own journey, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yes. And that's a scary, that's sometimes a scary place to go, right? It to is. actually look at ourselves. It is, because you see yourself in ways. It's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was that controlled. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I learned how, you know, I'm like, I don't want my kid playing with that kid, or I don't want him going to that house, or I don't want him going to this, or I want you to do this, be in this club, because this looks good. <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness. Or even when it comes time to pick a college, I want you to go to this school, please, darling. Mm -hmm. and, and they're like, I don't want to go to that school. You know, our, well, our younger son, he only picked one college mm. and it was ride or die and we're like you've got to pick another nope this is where I want to go and then we're like okay so we're on pins and needles and we're praying God please yeah. you know let him get into the school he got into the school and it's like we looked at the tuition and said dude who's paying for that <laughs> <laughs> but he had great faith and we had to then say okay you're growing into adulthood we have to align our faith with yours and if this is a good decision, great. If it's not so good, if it's not a good decision, well, we'll be there for you and it's time to pick up the pieces. And that is so hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because we like control. Oh, you're so mm -hmm. right, that's so good. Let me ask you this as well. We all come from you know, our own sort of family uh, stories mm -hmm. and journeys and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And you know, for you, how do you think your ethnicity or your heritage mm -hmm. has shaped the way you and your family continue to grow mm -hmm. together? Oh, good. So I am from a West Indian family. So my mother's side of the family is from Barbados. My father's side of the family, they're Southern. Okay. And my dad was in the military for a season. Mm. My husband's side of the family, both sides are from Barbados. Mm. So we have a very strict West Indian mindset in our house. So work was not an option. 
Everyone had chores. We were very structured. Bedtime was eight o'clock, whether you like it or not. The sun's coming down. You need to have yourself in the house. You know, dinner time, we all sat around the table. There was no watching TV. There was no TV during the week. It was very structured, very mm -hmm. structured. So we raised our children that way. Mm -hmm. um, so the West Indian heritage and then being both of us being raised in the black church as well. So the black church community. So you had community within community. Yeah. And that is just such a vital part of our upbringing. And we wanted our sons to have that as well, to have a great sense of community. So you have people who you call cousin or brother and sister who are not related to you at all. Um, but the same values of structure were in the same West Indian families that we surrounded ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And so that had a great Great bearing. The West Indian heritage had a great bearing on how we raised our kids because we wanted them to have God-fearing values, whether they, um, at that point in time, as they were growing in their faith, we still wanted them to fear God, whether or not they believed in God at that space. We right. wanted them to fear God and then also to grow to a space of you're going to love God. <laughs> Eventually, you're yeah. going to love him. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but, and that's how we were raised. And we felt it was important to have the God factor in our home as well. Yeah. So it seems like, for, in your experience, the church really helped be a support network oh, for yes. the values of your family, of mm -hmm. faith, and growing up and everything else. Yes, yes. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. We've discovered that many parents and adults oftentimes try to connect with teenagers and young adults by saying, hey, you know, when I was your age, mm -hmm. and it was this way to sort of connect. Now, I know mm -hmm. that phrase oftentimes separates rather than builds mm -hmm. uh, bridges. And I'm wondering if maybe you could reflect on that a little bit and talk about, well, what ways have you found that adults can actually connect with young people rather than create barriers between young people in their attempts to relate to them? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's helpful for parents, and I know as a parent, I have used that phrase several times, even in youth ministry. What I've come to do over the years is to let the kids know it's a history lesson, and it's important for them to understand their history so they can build upon it, especially in the black community. We talk a lot about slavery and racism and things, and we speak about them from the standpoint of, this is your history, uh -huh. and you need to know your history so you don't forget it, build upon it. So when I use that phrase, when I was your age, or cell phones used to be, it reminds, oh, it also is a, a signal to the child or to the young person to say, ah, this adult is starting from here, but moving to where I'm at. Oh, I like that. And so I use it more in a, a phrase of a history lesson, but also that what I'm discovering with this generation is they want us to talk to them. Mm -hmm. and they want us to listen to them. So what, I'm, what I advise parents to do is to listen and listen to what your kid is saying mm -hmm. and then use some sort of familiar ground and start with that. Don't go dig so far back to history. And if you do, signal and say, I'm about to give you a history lesson and let them roll their eyes. Okay, Ma, <laughs> okay, Dad, here we go. But then come up to 21st century, come up to today yeah, and say, and now I understand that you are dealing with dot, 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 dot. So deal with the back then, but bring it up to the today. I love the way you've couched that. Maybe then after the, when I was your age, it really is followed up with a question. What's yes. it like for you? Yes. Has there been a time when you feel like you've needed to rethink your own parenting stance as you 
came to better understand your kids and their generation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like at each phase, as they transition from elementary to middle, and then from middle to high school, for parenting in that space, we felt it was very important to come alongside them in that academic space and to make some changes because they were up really early to catch a bus, to go across town, and then they were got home really late in the evening. We still valued those family dinners, and we still valued right. um, time as a family in the evening without TV and those kinds of things. So it made us adjust some of our scheduling. So it made my husband and I say, we'll do less evening meetings so that we can have the time with our kids. But then as they got older, they didn't need to see us as much. Um, they still needed to see us at their games and things like that. But we didn't want to become parents that hovered over our kids. Mm -hmm. So we, along the way, we would assess where our kids were at and then we would make the adjustment in our parenting as they needed it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that meant adjusting our schedules. As I started traveling more, I gave my family veto power. Mm -hmm. So before I accept an engagement, I would say, okay, mommy's going to, she's been invited to Chicago, it means I'll be gone, this, this, and this. And if they said, oh, I have a game, or I have this, or I have that, then no, you can't go. And I had to accept that and say, oh, I can't go. Um, <laughs> or other times they would say, it's okay, mommy. Um, and back in the day, there was a Michael Jordan sports shop, especially if I was going through Chicago, and yeah. they would say, if you can bring us back this, this, and this, you can go. <laughs> um, so we made those adjustments, and my husband the same, with his speaking engagements and being senior pastor at the church. There were certain events we just didn't go to because we didn't want our kids to feel like they were not valued. And that's hard when you're in ministry as well sometimes because mm -hmm. you're balancing ministry, balancing family. And we made the adjustments along the way. I love that. You know, I think we know as parents that as our kids get older, their schedules become just as important to our, as ours yes. as far as their commitments and everything. What I love about your example is that you have walked that out mm -hmm. and you'd honored it through the conversations that you had. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the biggest um, uh, spurts we see in our growing kids is how their faith journeys mm. surface new and challenging questions about faith and doubt. How have you navigated these moments as a parent and what advice have you passed along to other parents mm. as they've navigated faith and doubt? I must say as a parent it's hard to watch your, your child sit before you that you've taught scriptures, you've prayed with, to, for them to look at you and say, I don't know if I believe like you believe. Mm. It's hard to sit there and everything in, within you just wants to just grab them and just shake them and I, you must believe this. <laughs> um, but to pull back and, and to say, okay, let me give space for your doubt and to have a conversation. What do you, you know, what are you questioning? Uh, what, what makes you feel that way? Or what have you encountered? And to even to leave it in a space of prayer. Mm -hmm. I remember um, Mark Batterson's book, Drawing Circles Around Your Kid. So I would leave a lot of time, a lot of space for just prayer. And they would bring it to me, we would have, or even my husband, and we would at night have the pillow talk conversations like, did you have the, did you hear what he said? I'm like, oh my God, like want to jump across the kitchen table. <laughs> That's not true. But you can't do that. You have right. to be calm and cool and, and give space for the doubt. That's to me is where your prayer life as a parent really kicks in. Mm -hmm. And I prayed for God to get a hold of the hearts of our sons. And we prayed for God to, to really speak to them and show himself strong to them. We also tried to do our best to show them space where we had doubt, like, son, you're right. I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. And I'm questioning it as well. You know, is God still who he says he is? Yes, he is who he says he is. Trust him. 
And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 really became our bedrock scripture for us as a family, that we're going to trust God and we're not going to lean to our understanding. I've made some mistakes. There are times I've jumped in, this is what you're going to do, son. And like, no, this is what I see and I don't believe is what God is saying. And then you have to come back and again, the apology, I'm sorry, son, I should have allowed you to follow what God was saying to you. And even now that there are doubts, they'll call and ask for advice and you want to give that parenting, that advice. Totally. But then you hear God saying, uh, he doesn't need all of that. I'm working with him. Let me do the work. So doing the work in prayer, I, I must say that the space of prayer has really become something where I've learned how to be a praying parent. Oh, that's the great. power of a praying parent, I think, is just really strong here. Uh, that's such good advice. So as our kids are navigating their faith journey is it has an effect on us and it does have a, uh, an effect mm -hmm. on our relationships yes. our own relationships yes, right yes it does yes it uh, does we can't parent from a distance can yeah, we right. it's we're right in it right it has to be with and that's what i love about the growing with mm. and sometimes as parents depending on our maturity there were times i was very immature as a parent and I had friends, and that's what I think the so important, the importance of the village around us, because I had other moms say, girl, you're all in yourself right now, or you're all in your emotions. You know you ain't right. And some of them were two-parent home moms, some were single moms. Yeah. We have a single mom who raised three boys on her own. She was such a value in our home to our sons and us with her sons. And she would check me, and I would check her, and, and we're like, no, you know you're wrong. I'm like, yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> But to grow with and to parent with and to be in it, sleeves rolled up, you know, feet in the mud. And it's not easy. We laugh together. We've cried together as a family. We've been at odds. And I remember when they both got motorcycles, they're grown. But I'm like, I don't want to. But they're grown at this point. It's like, but every time they would pull out of my driveway, I would just pray and say, Lord, cover my sons. And they've had accidents, and sometimes they tell their mother, and sometimes they don't tell their mother. And it's funny now that they're grown when we gather for family occasions like Thanksgiving or Christmas, and we're talking about different stories. I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I'm learning things. Right, and, right. Oh, we couldn't tell you. No, you're yeah. right. You couldn't have told me that. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But then we have these beautiful stories that now they're sharing with their friends. Now that our oldest son is married, they get to, he gets to share, and it's like, wow. We've had quite a family journey growing with one another. That's beautiful. You know, as I listen to you, I think that one aspect that is so inspiring to me is the way that you've parented in community. I think there's a lot of parents out there that feel really alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Parenting can be a lonely endeavor sometimes for a lot of different reasons. Yes. Can you muse on that for a second? What mm -hmm, do you tell a parent mm -hmm. that, that's feeling really alone, that may even be skeptical of what you just said? Like, well, that's good for you. You have a great community and great marriage, but what about, what about me? I hear this from parents, two family homes, or two parent homes, I should say, single parents, where they feel like they're doing this in isolation. And I can think recently of a couple in our church. Uh, the mother reached out to me, having a difficult time with the daughter, and um, and I said, well, who's in your circle? And she said, well, it's just my husband and I. And I'm like, well, that's first mistake. Look around this church. And so I pulled in other parents, literally, while I'm in the back of the church talking with her. I pointed to other parents and brought them over and introduced them and said, wow. you have kids around the same age. Y'all need to talk. You have a daughter who's slightly ahead of her. Y'all need to talk. You need a community around you because it's not just for the child's sake. It's for your sake wow. because they can speak into 
where you're about to be. And that's what I, I, I remembered reading that. And um, I think Kara Powell mentions this in her book, how her and her husband put a community of people, but asked the young person, who do you want in your circle? Mm-hmm. But then also parents need to understand and have someone in their life that's in the phase ahead of them. So they can speak to, oh, yeah, that's normal. So that they don't feel like they're raising some abnormal species. Right. But this is a normal child. She's going through normal things. You don't have to parent alone. In fact, God doesn't want you to parent alone. And that's what I think is sadly missing today. And we've gone to this age of you can't tell my kid anything and you can't say anything to me. And so parents are isolated and they think what they're going through is this special, unique thing when everybody's sitting on the pew with them in church or people that are the kids on the bus with them, they're going through the same thing. But because there's no community, there's no space where they can discuss it, they feel like they're going alone. So what I would say to every parent is you are not alone. Be open to allowing other people in your space, in your home, in your thinking, in your conversations with your kids that share your same values so that you can live and grow together. Wow. I think that that is really, really important advice that you're giving there. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. You're welcome. We often hear parents express worry that their kids will make bad choices Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or get hurt Mm -hmm. or fail. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced this, number Mm -hmm. one? And if so, how have you worked through it? And what advice would you give to other parents? Mm -hmm. Well, let me start by saying our kids can and will fail just like we did. Mm. They can and will make bad decisions just like we did. Now, as a parent, it's harder because we're living in a day and a time where we want to fix it. Between helicopter and lawnmower parents, we just want to hover around our kids and just make it all good. But they don't mature that way. Now, what can we do in the meantime and in between time? Continue to give them good advice. When they make the bad decision, help them to process it. But as adults, we have to let them make their decisions. We have to, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard living with it. It is. It is. It's the only thing I can say is it's hard. And, but again, it sends you back to prayer. That's part of the letting go. It is. And that's part of the mourning and the lamenting that we do as parents as our kids move from stage to stage. Right. It doesn't get easier. But it it does get to a space where you at least know what it is. Yeah, it's so good. It's so (laughs) honest. I just appreciate that so much. How would you say you've cultivated a relationship with your sons where Mm -hmm. they actually will pick up the phone and and make Mm -hmm. that call to you? Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Well, so let me say that I have one son that will call and say I blew it. I have one son that will not call and say he blew it. So I have one in each category. Yes, 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 yes. But the one, so, and growing up, they were were that way. So the one son who called and said he blew it, he would just come and tell us everything. And at times I'm like, son, I don't need to know this. As your mother, I don't want to know this. The other son, he is a processor. He's a thinker more like, like his dad, like my husband. And so when he would come and sit in our room on the bed and he would throw out a question, like, I'm thinking about doing this. And it would be this crazy thought. But knowing him, he's already processed it. Mm. So I, w- I said that to say that as a parent, you need to know your child. Yeah. You need to understand who they are, how has God wired them. And so know that some children are going to tell you everything, some children are not. So I would say as a parent, if your kid doesn't come and say anything, continue to pray. They will check in. 
And if the Lord leads you, sometimes I just text my sons a prayer or a word or, a, you know, emoji, some sort of something. Mom's thinking about you. I just let them know that I'm praying and they know I'm praying. They know their father's praying. And I think that's the most important thing. I, I'm sending it back to prayer. Your kids need to know that as a parent, you're covering them in prayer. Yeah. Thanks for that. You're welcome. That's so good. One of the questions that we are asking all the different people that we're interviewing. Okay. What if every parent and grandparent at the end of listening mm -hmm. to our conversation was willing to pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call their teenager or young adult right now? Mm -hmm. What's one thing you'd tell parents to be sure to say? I would tell them to speak into their child's destiny and identity, who they are and what they're called to do. Speak into that every day. Speak into that along the way. We would say to our sons from like the Lion King, remember there's a, this one role in the Lion King where Simba's questioning who he is and what he was called to do. And Mufasa said to him, remember who you are. We would say that to our sons all the time. Remember who you are. But you can't tell them to remember if you've never told them who they are. Mm -hmm. If you've never spoken into what you believe God is, what you see God doing in them regarding their destiny and their identity. And I think every parent, every grandparent should do that in their child. Virginia, I am so glad to have this conversation with you and to share this conversation with our listeners. Thank you for your wise words and your passionate heart and the important work that you're doing in your family, um, but really for the larger ministry conversation. I'm really grateful for you. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Don't you just love Virginia's insights? For sure. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Growing With Parent podcast. Be sure to check out more episodes where we chat with other remarkable parents who are journeying with their kids in the teenage and emerging adult years. If you haven't ordered your copy of Growing With yet, we invite you to visit growingwithbook.com. And maybe even think about buying an extra. We believe the book reads even better with someone, someone with whom you can commit to having great conversations as you think about growing with and what it means for your parenting. And if you enjoy Growing With, don't forget to go online wherever you buy books and leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks. Hey, Growing With podcast listeners. This is Nika Halula, one of the producers on this podcast. And I'm hopping on here to let you know about a new podcast from FYI. It's called Faith in an Anxious World Parenting. If you're a parent, it probably won't surprise you to hear that anxiety in teenagers has been on the rise in recent years. And if your home is like my home, this has been even more pressing recently in these days of distancing and great uncertainty. That's why I'm so excited to share this podcast. It's been so helpful to me. In every episode, we talk to experts who offer really great practical advice. So check it out. You can find Faith in an Anxious World Parenting anywhere you listen to podcasts.